there, there was a time in my dad's life where he, he, didn't, he didn't go to church uh, hardly at all. And as far as I was concerned as, as his son, as a kid, teenager, I, I didn't see any obvious evidence of him walking with the Lord at all. And, and that happened in his life after my mom and dad divorced. He just kind of checked out from my vantage point. It looked like he just kind of checked out. And so there were a lot of years I was wondering, what's really going on in your life spiritually? Because I just don't see a lot that's positive here. And I'll never forget, you know, since that time, over the last several years, my dad has, has come back to the Lord in repentance and is faithfully serving. He's a Sunday school teacher in his church. He shares his faith. He talks to me about people that he's sharing Christ with. I mean, it's just, it's phenomenal to see that change in his life. But there was a moment when I didn't know what was going on, and, and I was given a glimpse into his heart. And he said some things to me. You know, as, a, as an adult, you find out things about your parents that happened when you were little and that you never were aware of, that when you find out as an adult, it really does bring perspective. Well, I happened to be in one of those conversations with my dad when he said something to me brought real perspective on his heart. And he told me how when he was younger, and I was just a little guy, like three or four years old, that he's sitting in a church service and God spoke to him. And God clearly called him to, to give his son, to the Lord. And he walked down the aisle at the time of decision and he knelt at the altar and he just said, Lord, I I give you my son. I'm not going to take ownership over him. I'm not going to try to direct his life. I know you want to use him and I'll do everything I can to make sure you can use him. Little did my dad know how our lives would go and how much our family would deteriorate and how terrible things would become at at a season. And yet God used all of that. And I just love that my dad told me that because it gave me a glimpse into his heart for me. And it just made a lot of difference to hear that. I want to tell you something this morning from God's heart as a father to you. I want you to tell I want to tell you something that God says in scripture as a father about you. And I really believe if you'll hear what he's saying this morning in this in this passage to you it really will make a lot of difference. It's, it's, it's really the, one of the most important passages in all of Scripture for most of us here this morning. It's found in Acts chapter 15. And in leading up to that chapter, you see the Jews, many of the Jews, coming to believe and understand that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And they're being saved. And the Spirit of God is filling them and they're experiencing the presence of God And they're anticipating the fulfillment of the promises of God that are uniquely found in the fact that God has sent the Messiah. And His name is Jesus. They are believing in Him in large numbers. Something happened along the way that helped the Jews 
understand that the gospel message that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, He's come for the forgiveness of sins, that that gospel message was bigger than just the Jews. And it happened with the apostle Peter. Peter was given a vision from the Lord that convinced Peter that he was supposed to go with these servants from the house of a man named Cornelius. And Peter went with them and shared the gospel with Cornelius and his whole family. They were Gentiles. They were not Jews. And Cornelius and his whole family believed in the good news of Jesus Christ and they were saved. And they received the Spirit of God by grace through faith in Jesus just like the Jews had received Him. And they were saved. And Peter realized what the Old Testament had conveyed all along. That the good news of salvation was for all people who would believe in Jesus Christ. And that anyone who places their faith in Jesus will be saved by the same grace in the same way as the Jews, God's chosen people. So that the Jews were the avenue through which salvation came because of Jesus Christ, but that salvation was for all people. And, and James, the, the leader of the Jerusalem church, he, he is kind of fielding this issue because it comes to a head in Acts chapter 15 because there's this division between, well, the Gentiles need to do this to be saved and, and, the, and Peter's saying, look, we, we received grace for salvation. We have been able to keep the law. There's been nobody in our past and certainly we have not been able to be saved through the law. Why should we require the Gentiles to do the law? Let's affirm what the Scripture is teaching, that salvation is only through grace, and it's by faith in Jesus for all who believe. And so James makes this statement, affirming what the Old Testament is taught by quoting out of Amos chapter 9. And in Acts chapter 15, he quotes out of Amos chapter 9. And, and look with me at verse 13. In Acts chapter 15. After they had stopped speaking, James answered, saying, Brethren, listen to me. Simon has related how God first concerned himself about taking from among the Gentiles a people for his name. Right there we see that James is affirming that those who are saved out of the Gentiles are a people for the name of God. That's the same description the Old Testament gives to the Israelites. So that we can understand that this salvation that God has brought through Jesus Christ is to create one people, Jew and Gentile alike, saved by grace through faith. And then he says, with this, the words of the prophets agree. Just as is written. So James is summarizing the message of the prophets in general through quoting directly out of Amos. And he says, after these things, I will return, I will rebuild the tabernacle of David which has fallen, I will rebuild its ruins, and I will restore it so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from long ago. James emphasizes two things. He emphasizes that the Gentiles 
you and me are part of God's plan. And he emphasizes that plan was in the heart of God long before we were on the scene. That this is the predetermined plan of God to save all people through faith in Jesus Christ. Now here's the message from God your Father that I think changes everything. You are a part of God's plan. God graciously decided and planned so that through Jesus Christ, we who are a people without hope, without God, who are totally lost, could be forgiven of our sins and brought into the family of God. This means that Jesus Christ did not just die For the Jews, he died for you and he died for me. His shed blood just doesn't cover the sins of those who are his chosen people. No, his blood shed on the cross covers our sins. So that through faith, we become the chosen people of God. See, God had a plan. And you are part of that plan. You. And so the question I want to ask you this morning is have you found your place in His plan? You're part of His plan. And you've got a part to play in the plan of redemption. Have you found that part? Are you playing that part? Let's look over to Ephesians chapter 4. Just quickly look at Ephesians chapter 4. This is a great passage. It encourages us in finding our place in the plan of God. Let's just read verse 7 to start out. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 7. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Through faith in Jesus Christ, you become a part of God's redemptive plan. Part of the plan, and in being a part of the plan, you have received immeasurable grace. God has given you Immeasurable grace. And His grace in your life through faith in Jesus Christ is so that you can find your place in His plan and fulfill that part of His plan. That's why He's given you His grace. See, if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, There is no question whether or not you've received the grace. The grace has been given to you. And it's so important that we strive with every fiber of who we are to make that grace evident in the body of Christ. Look at what we see here in Ephesians chapter 4. Let's pick up starting in verse 11. And 
He gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. And so, verse 11 conveys to us that that the gift that God has given to His people includes leadership within the church. And so God has given leaders in the body of Christ. And, And look what happens for, verse 12, for the equipping of the saints, that's all of us, for the work of service or ministry so that we can all serve specifically to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. So God has given each one of us grace so that we might together as a local church serve one another and as a result of serving one another in this place we are built up in the unity of the faith what that means is that we all because we serve in the grace that we have been given we all get to experience a closer connection with Jesus Christ and one another that that we all get to grow up towards maturity, that our faith deepens, that our knowledge of the Son of God increases, that we know Jesus Christ in a more significant way, a more more incredible way throughout our experience here as we serve each other. We get to experience maturity in Christ. That means that we come to the place where we experience and see and know what it's like to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. We become more and more like Christ as we serve each other in the grace that Christ has given each one of us. So that means when Stephen White decided that he would begin to teach the fourth and fifth graders, that every single one of us in this body would be moved towards maturity a little bit better because he decided to serve one area of our body. If you don't think that's true, I I want to just give you personal testimony, okay? See, Stephen is serving a grade where my son is involved. My son comes home and talks to me about what he learns from Stephen. And guess who is challenged to be more like Christ? That boy's dad. See? I'm just telling you, when we all decide to serve one another in the grace that God has given, we are built up in Christ. All of us. And and please hear this from the appeal of an opportunity you don't want to miss. When we don't serve out of the grace that Christ has given us, our growth together is is diminished. It's, It's retarded. It's kept back. We are all who have received grace 
supposed to employ that grace, working properly as parts of the body so that we grow up in Christ. There's another really good reason Ephesians 4 gives us. Look at verse 14. As a result, as a result of our growing up, because we're all serving, working properly together as we should, as a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by the craftiness and deceitful scheming. See, if we all function as God's grace has equipped us to function in serving one another, then we are protecting each other from deception. You think about all the things that could deceive us. Wrong doctrines. The cunning of human thought. The craftiness of deceitful scheming, that's the handiwork of the enemy. You think of anything and everything that could be deceptive in our culture, in our, in our world, and if we will work in serving one another in the body of Christ, we have, we have, we have put up a protective shield around us that will keep any one of us from being deceived and dragged into Missing the grace of God. The, the, the truth is that when, when some of us in the local church, for whatever reason, don't use the grace of God given to us to build up the body in serving, we, we contribute to creating a chink in the armor that opens the body to deception. And what happens is we see people fall out. We see people fall away. We see people move away from the gospel, move away from Christ, and they end up going another direction because they've been deceived. And part of that deception is kept at bay when we all serve faithfully together so that we, in the unity of the faith, knowing Jesus Christ. And see, when we all employ the grace of God given to us, We are built up in Christ. We are protected from deception. And then we can do the very next statement. Verse 15. Speaking the truth in love. When we're growing up in Christ and we're protected from deception, all through employing the grace of God given to us, then what's left over is that we speak the truth to each other in love. And here's a great way to understand that phrase, speak the truth in love. When when that's happening, here's what will happen in our body. All these avenues for serving each other within this church body in our community, all these avenues of doing, serving, simply become Vehicles for helping people to become disciples, followers of Jesus Christ. That's speaking the truth in love. Okay, In love is the service part of it. I'm serving you 
because of the love that I've experienced in Christ together and my serving you is done through speaking and a part of speaking truth so that I am encouraging you to follow Jesus Christ so that my loving is a vehicle to speaking truth so that my serving is a vehicle for making disciples. That's what's happening here. When we all are working together, serving one another, and we are protected from deception, are we being built up in Jesus Christ, then the outcome of that is we are going to be loving each other to Christ's likeness. And people are going to see that, and they're going to be enamored by that, and they're going to wonder what this gospel is about, and they're going to be able to catch the very thing we caught from the heart of our Father. This is God's plan, and you're a part of it. You're part of it. See, when we each work properly, look at how this ends. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into Him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. How does the body get built up in love? The proper working of each individual part. How can each individual part work properly? Verse 7, to each one of us, grace has been given in an immeasurable fashion. God has a plan. And you're part of it. God has given grace. And you're a recipient of it. And now, by my estimation, all you need is a chance. And that's what today is about. God has given every one of us a chance. In this local body of believers, to employ the grace He has given for His glory and His purposes. I know something about needing a chance. There's been times I've been asked, you know, is Southside the first church you've pastored? And my response is yes, because in a lot of ways that's how I think about it. This is the first church I've ever pastored. And, uh, but the truth is, the whole story is that when I was 19 in the summer of, uh, of that year, just after I'd made the decision that God really was calling me to be a pastor, um, I was at home during the summer away from college, and an opportunity came to our church uh, that a little nursing home needed somebody to come and be their pastor and preach to them on Sundays. And uh, so I was just fresh off surrendering my life to the ministry, and I was like, I'll do it, you know. And so I showed up at the nursing home, and they'd roll people in in wheelchairs. They'd come in in walkers, and, you know, most of them couldn't see or hear. And so it was really a challenge. Um, and, and so here I am. I've become this nursing home's pastor. And this, this, this is my little congregation. And it was so funny because there'd be times to be like, hey, we can't hear you. Okay, let's start over then. 
I mean, it's just, it was just fun, you know. I learned, I mean, this is the first time I ever prepared sermons to preach. And I'm just going to tell you, it was so affirming. There was this one little old lady who played the piano. And so we would, you know, we would have to sing a couple hymns before I would preach. And, and I would have to do that. And it was brutal. But uh, I did it. And so here, here was typically the deal. I'd walk in. She had her own hymnal. She could barely see. Okay. And she would scoot up to the piano. She'd sit down. And she'd look at me. She'd, she'd give me her hymnal. She said, pick out what you want to sing. So I'd pick it out. And she goes, just tell me the number. Okay, number 141. Boom, she started playing it. I mean, she is like, and, and she was that way at the scripture too, man. If I ever missed something, she'd be like, okay, that wasn't quite right. Because it says here, in, I mean, she knew it big time. And uh, she had the hymnal memorized. I'm sure she had most of the Bible down too. I mean, she was sharp. She could barely see. She just needed to know the number. Bang, play it out. And uh, it was amazing. So here I am, this 19-year-old kid, never preached before, preparing sermons for this group of people that have lived longer than I can imagine living. And um, I'm feeling rather ill-equipped, untrained, and inexperienced. But I'll never forget that little lady who played the piano because she loved me and she supported me and she believed in me having a chance. And as untrained and inexperienced as I was, God's grace was given. And all I needed was a chance. See, you're part of God's plan. And each one of you has received his grace. And you've got a chance. When I was a senior in college, I was attending the Baptist student ministry. I would go there for the noon uh, Bible study. And uh, I'd only been attending just for that that part of the semester. And uh, because my roommate was real involved, so he was inviting me to go. And so I went. And somewhere along the way, Lindley came in the picture, so I really wanted to go. And uh, so I was going, and one day I was walking down the hallway, and the director said, hey, I want to talk to you. And we were acquaintances at this point. Um, and I said, okay. And so he, he took me into the, the, the copy room, kind of out of the main thoroughfare of the hallway, and he just said, hey, I just want you to know that this is not normal for me, but God has really been laying you on my heart. And I just really believe what God's asking me to do is to give you an opportunity to preach to our students at Noon Bible Study. I'm like, what? I just started coming here and this is weird. He's like, I know, but uh, I really think this is what God wants you to do, wants us to do. So pray about it and, and let me know. And if you can, then I want you to speak in a, in a couple days. So I went home, prayed about it. I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. I felt like the Lord gave me a message. And I, and I stood up before um, this group and I, I preached. And after I was done, he came up to me and says, I think God has more to say. And I want you to speak again. And that just developed into this amazing mentorship with him and he had a pivotal role to play in 
shaping my heart for the Lord and his word. If, if I had not preached to those little old ladies and those little old men, I don't know if I'd ever had that other opportunity. And if I had not been cornered in a copy room and convinced I should speak, I don't know that I'd ever be right here speaking to you. Because the truth of the matter is, I'm inadequate. I've never been trained enough. I've never felt worthy enough. But grace has been given. And I just needed a chance. And I just want to remind you that you're part of God's plan and that each of you has received grace and now you have a chance.